Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is episode 51 for December 2014. Hello everyone and welcome to this very special Cold War Christmas edition of the Phileas Club. You'll understand why I'm saying that in just a minute. But before we launch into the show, I just want to remind everyone what this show is about. Um, It's a monthly show where we get people from different countries, different cultures, different points of view uh, together for about an hour to discuss what's been happening in the past month. And um, hopefully what you get out of it is a slightly, well, different perspective on issues or news topics that as Westerners, most of the time, at least that's the case for me, um, we sort of have a set view on things and uh, because that's the dominant narrative. And I'm not trying to say that we're exploring like investigative, investigative journalism or anything like that. It's just that when you meet people and you talk with them and they have a different uh, idea than you do or maybe a different background, then um, you, look, you tend to look at things differently. And that's what we're trying to achieve here on this show between friends because uh, keeping it uh, friendly and enjoyable is important too, I believe. So anyway, now that's, that's that, that is said, I'm uh, going to introduce my two co-hosts. In the right corner, uh, representing all of the America, American United States. I wasn't sure how I was going to spin that. Is John <coughs> Copperdome, uh, my good friend from podcasts past. Uh, how are you doing, John? <laughs> I am doing well, Patrick. It's a it's a pleasure to be listening to your voice once again in the. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's not airwaves, but the uh, in the, the internet waves. The, yes, the internet waves. Uh, the waves <laughs> in the tubes. How so? How how are you doing? We haven't spoken in a while. Can you it remind been, maybe people it, a little bit of what what you're what you're about, what you're doing? Um, well, I uh, uh, well, Patrick are. and I met a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, um, <laughs> doing uh, doing podcasts. Uh, and uh, I used to do a podcast uh, called Negative Cutters, uh, where we reviewed movie trailers. And Patrick and I had a lot of fun doing uh, a date night uh, segment for that podcast, <laughs> where we reviewed uh, movies uh, for dating. Um, but uh, I I don't have too much time these days for podcasts. Um, oh. Uh, uh, so I am, uh, so you, I am you a get on shows when I, when I invite you. Yes. Uh, I Excellent. am, uh, always, always happy to, uh, jump on with other people's, you know, when I'm not the one spending all the time doing all the editing. <laughs> uh, and, and you're, you're from the East coast, right? Yes, I am. Uh, I w- used to be in Connecticut. I have moved up to upstate New York, up in, uh, close to Canada-ish. Um, right. And so uh, Vermont. Basically, and East East Coast uh, means you're one of those liberal elite types who looks down on real people. Am I pegging you right? R- right, right. I um, <laughs> I'm. 
I am elitist, uh, <laughs> liberally elitist. Uh, I have a right. lot of elitism to spread around now. Excellent, um, excellent. Now, all right, I'm, I'm teasing, of course, but uh, your East Coast is, is good enough. Um, yes. On, on the other side of the ring is uh, to represent the entirety of Russia and the Russian way of life is... Pierre, also known as Piotr, uh, who is calling in, well, from Moscow, if I'm not mistaken. How's it going, Pierre? It's going fine. It's a lovely evening. We've just had some snow here. Just Lost. now. It's, it's, yeah. it, you sh it should be snowing all the time. I believe that, you know, from what I understand about Russia, it's snowing all the time. And you're most of that time when it's snowing, uh, wrestling bears. Is that kind of a, a, an accurate picture I have in my mind? Well, maybe it's somewhat accurate. Uh, as it goes, as the thing goes, there is Moscow and there is Russia. Uh, as far as I've seen, it is winter in, let's say, Irkutsk uh, for nine months, months a year. Oh, but they still don't wrestle bears. Uh, oh, not you mean not all the time? I'm sure. Yeah, please don't destroy all of my, uh, you know. You're ruining his childhood. <laughs> Just at least from time to time, they wrestle bears, uh -huh. right? All right, I'm I'm gonna stop. No, but, see, uh, when they're not wrestling bears, they're uh, distilling vodka by pouring oh. it through, you know, like the the drain pipes. Isn't that right? <laughs> it, it does sometimes happen, though not in the central part of Russia. <laughs> all right. Um, thanks so much for for joining as well, Pierre. I know it's your uh, first appearance in a um, in a podcast uh, I believe so thank so, you so, so much if you're calling it. him Pierre can I call him Peter isn't that the, <laughs> the American it will do well so no now now I have to explain uh, I'm not calling you Pierre because I want to pronounce it the French way um, you told me that your name was actually Pierre uh, well uh, as my passport says uh, my name is Piotr but uh, my parents named me Pierre uh, after uh, Pierre Bezukhov from Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace. But huh? uh, the Soviets didn't allow foreign names uh, in uh, the 80s. Mm. So they chose Piotr as your official name, but really your name Pierre. Well, sort of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your your situation? Not you know nothing too um, specific, but um, nothing that they know, can track you down by. Yeah, basically. Um, but you know wh where you're from. You're in, you're in Moscow, and uh, um, I don't know. Just a few words, so so listeners can uh, get a sense of who you are, more or less. Well, I am a 26 years old programmer from Moscow. I what I do is I work for Russian railroads. Mm -hmm. So I have to do and to uh, speak much with the eastern part of Russians. Okay, that's that's actually interesting because the okay. the eastern part uh, of Russia is well further to the east, and it, it's often you know it's easy to forget how gigantic 
Russia is. But um, all right, you know what? I I we're, we are going to be talking about Russia quite a bit um, in this show, and that's why I'm so glad to have you on, Pierre. But before we even start with this month's uh, topics, I kind of. I, <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble in any way. And that's something I said uh, when we started conversing via email. But I do have this uh, image of activity on the internet in Russia being not heavily, but somewhat controlled. It has become more and more, maybe not controlled, but surveyed and maybe you shouldn't say too many things and maybe you shouldn't have too much of a controversial blog um, because Putin has been cracking down on some of the most uh, uh, voice, uh, strongest uh, opposition voices in the country. Um, is that not a concern at all for you or is that a, a, an inaccurate, again, uh, sentiment that we have in the West or... It's not that inaccurate, although the people whose uh, blogs and pages were banned from the internet, at least the Russian part of it, were somewhat calling for it. Uh, they were stirring the trouble where it shouldn't be stirred. It's not that hard to keep uh, all the radar. To keep what, sorry? Uh, to keep off their radar, am I oh, okay. saying it not mm. right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, off their radar, radar. Um, okay. I see. So, well, I don't think, you know, the Phileas Club is really uh, a big uh, hit in, in Russia. I don't think anyone is going to, not too many people are going to listen to it. Don't, but. don't insult your Russian listeners. There's no, of course. That's scores not of them. No, the, the Phileas Club has a relatively modest audience. So that's what I mean. But um, but so you're. it's, it's interesting that you're saying they were uh, stirring trouble where it shouldn't be stirred. Um, it's... Is there, are there things that you can and can't say uh, when you're prolific on, on, well, in media? I'm, well, actually, I'm sure there is in media uh, in Russia, um, in general as well? Well, officially, there are no such things. <laughs> uh, and I don't happen to know of any, though I've seen some. Um, as they are called, independent reports from their position. Well, I'm not sure how, how independent they were because it was said on them who funded them. Mm. And it was not a couple of independent people. Okay. All right. Well, so uh, in politics, there's always struggle. Mm. If you don't do politics and you don't make people, well, go on the streets and uh, riot? light up... <laughs> yeah, riot, light up the Kremlin or something like that. So are you saying that it's less about what you say and more about how much of an effect you can have with what you say? Mm, pretty much so, and it's always been. Uh, well, though in Stalin's Russia, you could have been sent to Gulag for 15 years for an anecdote. Mm. Well, I guess it's it's interesting that you're saying it like that because the for for me um it's kind of the same thing what you say and whether or not 
what you say has an effect. Obviously, if you're saying doesn't have an effect, then it's really not a problem. Uh, but if the government is saying it's okay to say, well, not the government, but the, the atmosphere is you can say whatever you want as long as it doesn't stir up trouble, then, you know, that's, that's exactly the kind of things that would be an issue um, looking at it from here. But anyway, so you're, you're seeing uh, why I was calling this the, the Christmas uh, Cold War um, episode. Uh, we have the US, Russia, um, and of course, in the middle, Europe France represented... Abstaining. By myself, Patrick Beja. Um, but so the, the first topic I wanted to cover, because it was really the most, I think, the most impactful, most surprising, um, in a way, was the um, ruble's uh, value plummeting in the middle of the month, um, losing, actually, maybe I should look up um, the amount the amount of uh, uh, it lost, but it plummeted to what half of its value um, compared to the to the dollar. I think in the past, maybe even more uh, in the past oh, few. It's Go about ahead. half now. Uh, a couple of months late. Uh, a couple of months ago, a ruble. Uh, it was thirty six rubles a dollar. Then, in the course of those months, uh, it reached 80 rubles a dollar. And now it's about 56. Okay. So, it's not quite half, maybe, but um, it's fairly low. Um, I, well, let's, let's start with uh, maybe you, Pierre. It's the most appropriate. How did you live uh, between you and your, you know, your friends, surroundings, and the media? Um, how did that go through the, you know, ruble losing so much of its value in really a week or two? Um, how did it? How did it go? Uh, well, some people, of course, panicked, but most of us have lived through the nineties, uh, and it was far worse in the 90s, after the Soviet Union mm. shattered. Uh, many panicked. Some people at my work stopped working. I don't know if, hel if it helped them. <laughs> but it, were it's there... like, oh, everything's going to hell. I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. Uh, no, everything's going to hell, oh, everything's going to hell, oh, please listen, everything's going to hell, oh, shit, I fucked up a date, uh, deadline, is it okay uh, to say it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, you can curse, it's fine. That's that's funny, though, but did, didn't people, I guess when we looked at it, we were thinking, first of all, um, it's it must be terrible because of the effect on the economy and obviously the economy with outside of the country um and second of all we thought as you were saying that that uh people in the country must have been panicking and trying to dump well exactly what happens in in this kind of crisis trying to dump their uh um their rubles um did 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 it have like did any of your uh, friends or yourself maybe or I don't know tried to uh, uh, 
maybe not buy dollars because that would have been crazy at that point, but, you know, feel uh, uh, lucky that they had uh, dollars or, you know, uh, um, try to, to change things on the, uh, um, on the uh, currency, uh, on their currency uh, holdings or anything like that? Was there this kind of movement? Uh, well, uh, it was in the news that uh, many people did try it, uh, though it all ended up in things like uh, uh, Bear Banks, it's the main uh, bank in Russia, the government bank, uh, having no rubles mm. in the, in, at, at all. I think they stopped uh, delivering them. It was okay. in Kaliningrad or somewhere else, I think. Uh, but most of the people did think it wouldn't really matter because their salary was still in rubles and their ongoing income was rubles. And they couldn't spend any dollars in Russia. Mm. Nothing, nothing costs, it costed in dollars here. Even all the imported goods are translated into rubles and sold afterwards well that's i guess yeah for for foreigners it's it has a obviously a bigger effect i i've heard of many reports of uh in the first day of the collapse of the ruble uh people rushing to apple stores and buying macbooks um and those were uh expatriates so basically foreign people living in in russia who of course all of a sudden found that you know, whatever it was, 10,000 rubles for the price of one machine used to be, I'm going to use fictitious numbers, but obviously used to be $1,000 and all of a sudden it was 600. Um, so they, they rushed to buy things. Um, I suppose that directly affects only foreigners. Um, but it's interesting to that you're saying that people weren't really panicked like real Russians weren't really panicked. They, it was really the teachings, quote unquote, of the '90s that get you, that got you to figure. Well, you know, whatever, it will come back up. Uh, well, it didn't exactly come back up in the '90s, but <laughs> ev uh, everything got better. Uh, well, I still remember when in. 1997 it was uh, dollar was four rubles next day it was six and so on then it was 30. Mm. so it's not it's something that you've lived through a, a lot worse um well, before yep and then yeltsin said that he's tired and he's going away that's that must have been an interesting time for sure it's it's funny because from our perspective we're thinking about we're immediately looking at the economic partnerships and the exports and imports and the way that russia affects uh, the situation in russia affects uh, the fragile or what we perceive to be a fragile uh, economic state in europe apparently at least I'm I'm talking about you and your uh, what you know of it or what you're experiencing of it. It might be different for other people, but for you, it it really you didn't go to the economic issues. I'm I'm curious 
whether it became, um, you know, a topic of conversation in newspapers or maybe even, you know, with, with co-workers or with friends, uh, the, the future of, would it affect uh, the, the health of the country long term or was it just, well, whatever, you know, it, these things happen? Oh, well, these things certainly do happen and it certainly will affect the health of the country in the long term. Uh, some goods are suddenly uh, much less uh, available. Mm. For example, you've mentioned Apple. Uh, well, I was shocked because I was uh, going to buy myself an Apple for Christmas. <laughs> so, and, uh, and now I can't even get the funds to build myself a new computer. Mm. Because all the parts are imported and... Uh, mm. They uh, they've all uh, hopped up in price with the dollar. Of course, but but you don't seem to care that much. That's what what's surprising me the most. Actually, you don't. You're you're taking from what I'm understanding at least a very well. You know, that's that. That's well, it uh, doesn't. It's, it seems like it doesn't matter to you. A lot, and I'm not talking about just the Apple and the fact that you can't get an iPhone. But uh, well, maybe partly uh, it helped that uh, uh, the food from the US and USA was banned uh, in the summer, ah. and uh, the pri the prices raised a bit, and they don't raise that much now. Mm. Uh, if uh, the food also got more expensive uh, with the dollar, it might have a bit more of the psychological uh, effect, I guess. Yep, psychological consequences. Uh, though ninety percent, uh, well, not ninety, seventy percent of Russians live in villages. They grow their own their own food, even their own tobacco. Tobacco. Huh. So they don't need that much of cash mm. actually uh, I, I guess they, they don't they, rely on imports uh, quite as much all. as one might think uh, well they pity the uh, city dwellers <laughs> and that's all <laughs> so uh, I, have a, I have a question um, do you have an idea of how like is this affecting the small countries around Russia, like the ex-Soviet Union countries um, around the area? Uh, well, it well, does. Uh, it does affect Belaru Belarus. Mm. Okay. The, well, they can they can buy Russian production, which I guess there's not a lot of it, but maybe energy uh, for dirt cheap, right? Well, uh, they can buy it, but they can't uh, buy anything else anymore from the other countries. Mm. Uh, we are something like 80% of their export. 80% huh. <laughs> of their export goes, into Ru goes to Russia and is paid for in rubles. Wow. Okay, Luk yeah. Lukashenko said uh, that they should get to, to make us to pay in euros. But I don't know where it, what, where it will go. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> um, it's I guess to to um, start getting to the conclusion of this topic, 
the the last thing that was kind of surprising to me um, was a couple of days or maybe three days after the beginning of the fall of the ruble, um, there was a, a TV interview by Putin, and again in my East, uh, in my European view of things, I was thinking, wow, he must be really nervous about this. You know, this is he's he's. M- He's messing up, basically. It's the first time that you see a crack in his uh, image and his uh, very strong leader, we do what we want and it works uh, image. Um, And of course, you know, if the situation keeps going like this and it does have strong economic uh, effects, I'm sure it would impact his image and his approval rates. But from what I understand the way he tackled it was completely different from what I would have expected. Meaning, he didn't go and say, he didn't go into panic salvage mode, uh, which I guess I'm starting to understand with what you're saying, Pierre, which I, by which I mean it wasn't really panic, apparently. But for him, it was just, well, you know, we're not that cavalier, but, you know, this is a difficult time. Uh, it's probably going to be uh, difficult for a while still, but we will get through it and uh, we have to endure. And he didn't really make a huge deal out of it. He approached it level-headedly, maybe a little bit dismissively as from what I understood, but still, it was sort of... Even for me, who am not a Russian, I'm not uh, too closely affected by all of this. Honestly, I'm not affected that at all. It sort of got me off of my semi-panic mode. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, the thing is happening and maybe it's going to do that and that. Like trying to put myself in the shoes of a Russian, I was thinking that might be a serious thing. And the way he approached it sort of got me to it slapped me back into place thinking, oh, oh, okay. Um, Well, maybe, yes, it is a difficult thing and maybe they can get through it and maybe it's not the end of the world, basically, is what I got to. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's the way I approached it. But yeah, Pierre, go ahead. Uh, The way he put it, it is a routine for him and, well, it's a nice way to uh, to look at it and to think of it while you're going through it. Uh, His uh, task as the president was to set the mood. And uh, he shouldn't have uh, started panic. Of course. (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, no one actually cares uh, if we'll have to eat a bit less, uh, if... uh, other goals are achieved. Well, uh, my mother-in-law said to me once we've got the Crimea that uh, uh, she doesn't care about anything. She might die now, but at least Nahimov's grave is ours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess it's it's a so, way to keep your your uh, eyes on the important issues. Do, is it? Is there was there an effect like you mentioned Crimea um, it, and we've you know the more more recently um, or uh, you know, you've got like you, the Ukraine stuff happening and Crimea and is that has that put the country in this position to some extent with 
you know, sort of extending into these areas. And I know there's been like sanctions mm. against Russia and things like that. Has that it, it, has that kind of added to to where Russia is at this point? I'm sure it hasn't helped. It hasn't helped, but I don't think it would be any better otherwise. Okay. Uh, I do believe uh, that the Western country, countries just needed a reason to put sanctions towards Russia. Uh, was it Condoleezza Rice that said uh, back in, I don't know when, uh, that uh, the Siberia's richest must belong to all the nations? Mm. You know, that's it's interesting that you're putting it like that, because every time I, I'm, I've been more and more in contact with the Russian way of thinking might be a little bit presumptuous but uh, of putting it. But um, my wife being Finnish and Finland being very close, uh, both geographically and in other ways, to Russia, I've and having traveled to Russia a couple of times in the past few years, I've been more in contact than I had been before with Russia. And there is a feeling that Russians uh, consider, have a little bit of a, hmm, not despise, but despising, but are both proud to not be Europeans and kind of angry that Europeans don't consider Russians, when they don't, don't consider Russians to be part of the same club, kind of. Is that a fair way of putting it, or...? Um, I do not think this way. Uh, Russia doesn't consider itself to be European. Uh, Three-fourths of Russia are Asian. Mm. Uh, well, uh, some people say that uh, there is a two-headed eagle on the Russian... Mm, I can't remember the word. Uh, well, Flag say, or...? Yeah, yeah. R R Russian flag. It has a two-headed eagle. One head is towards the West, the Europe, and so on, and one is towards the Asia, towards the East. Sure. Uh, there is no head in between to think for them both. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, but, yeah. Uh, Russia, Russia thinks of itself as uh, of a, sep a country that is separate from all the other countries surrounding mm. it. Uh, the only thing that Russians think of uh, as common for, with uh, the other countries are the Slavic countries, brother Slavs. Mm. It has some weight. Yeah, yeah, I see. I see. It's, 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 it's. I think it's I fairly um, uh, interesting to put it in that way. Russia thinks of itself as Russia. I think that's that's fairly good. Um, John, have have you come in contact with all of that? And uh, I mean, beyond the you know Apple raising the prices on the Apple Store, which I'm sure as a tech geek you've heard about, but. Um, well, Have I mean, the big thing was them shutting it down, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, the ruble, the ruble in general, did it make waves? And surely um, that would I, be a tool for uh, evil American propaganda declaring their superiority over, you know, their old Cold War enemy, uh, I would guess. 
I I would say to the average person, it didn't really. The only thing that hit hit the mass media uh, uh, news is when Apple pulled all their products out because that was kind of like a whoa, (laughs) you know. Um, And and I you know I'm sure it was mentioned here and there, but it's very. I mean, since uh, since the Ukraine, I don't think we've really heard that much other than the occasional, you know, uh, Putin was on TV, you know, mm. making some statement. Um, uh, so, I mean, it hasn't, I wouldn't say it, uh, if, if I were in the, fi- I'm sure if, if, if I were more involved in finances, um, that this is a big thing. Uh, cause I, I mean, I, th- from my understanding, we're at this point, uh, especially with Russia, we as a world are more interconnected than we've ever been before. And and, uh, I should say interdependent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I, it just doesn't, you know, I think every country, you know, uh, and especially America, you know, we have that sort of level of ignorance, I guess, but I think everyone sort of does of, yes, there's these things going on in the world, but we are insulated to a large extent, um, unless you're in an industry that is directly involved in that. Um, Mm. I mean, I think I remember seeing something about like Russia's, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, like travel agencies going bankrupt. Right. Um, Yeah, of course. The more you have to deal with Eastern, uh, I'm sorry, exports and, uh, that kind of thing. The more, the more difficult it's going to be. But um. yeah, and for something like that, it's like okay, you know, uh, it's the cost of traveling outside of Russia is mm. enormous. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. Uh. So I mean, you know, it. But but I think I think even you know, um, judging by what we've just heard from Pierre, like it's it's not it's sort of insular there too. You know, it's like yeah. if you don't think about if you don't think about how everything is interconnected, those interconnections play a very loose sort of high level effect on everyone's lives in those countries until sure. things get really, really, really bad. Yeah. yeah. But, no, and but I'm sure I think it was, you see yeah. those effects way later. Mm, possibly. All right. Um, okay. Well, I think that was a nice roundup of the ruble um, catastrophe, I might call it. I might have called it before uh this this episode but now i'm just gonna call it the ruble undue panic in europe i think (laughs) (laughs) um let's move oh go ahead pierre by the way why does the europe panic about ruble uh does europe have something to do with the ruble well i mean the the european um exports are depending on the countries, but um, often important in in Russia. And the energy is also, the energy that Russia sells is also important to Europe. So if things go, you know, sideways over there, it does have an effect. It's the banks too, right? The banks in Europe that that gave a lot of Russian businesses loans. Of course. There there are a lot of different, you know, a lot of different effects, but... Wasn't it prohibited due to sanctions? Some of it, but I'm sure, you know, I ought to be completely honest, I don't have enough knowledge of all of it, but I'm, I know that not everything was prohibited. There were a lot of things that were, uh, uh, that came under the sanctions, but not all of it, not all of our uh, interactions, economic interactions were stopped. Um, 
So, and there or were discussions. Or can they that, stop things that were already going or already happened? You know, like the at, loans, you know, before the sanctions. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, the loans are the more long-term things yeah. um, that, if they get defaulted on, would be pretty disastrous for you, you know, the European banks. Yeah, I can see. I guess. Uh, well, at the moment in Russia, the only people who panic are the ones who've got uh, loans in dollars. Mm. Mm. Except, uh, especially loans for a flat or a house. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that that. I mean, I'm sure we we might be uh, playing it down a little bit, but I'm sure there are uh, actual grave effects that are already happening for a minority of people, and that could be happening more uh, midterm. So if things don't get better, but. Certainly, it, it's not as much of a panic as I would have assumed, uh, I suppose. Um, all right, let's turn our heads to the West and to the evil empire of the uh, America, American United States with a couple of topics, uh, one of which actually made a little bit of noise uh well both of which made noise but one of which co comforted uh the blissfully unaware europeans in their views that america is really evil i of course i'm joking with all of this i hope you you all understand that mm -hmm. um, but i mean certainly the the cia uh reports the the u.s congress um inquiry into cia practices um was didn't help uh the image of the u.s and i think even internally in uh the u.s it wasn't uh received <laughs> very warmly i should say right. for us the uh, reports of torture and abuses and warrantless uh, uh activities was it, well it's let's not be clear these aren't new reports well these are these are you know these are looking at i mean we've all known torture and waterboarding and all these horrible things have been happening and you've got you've had like the guantanamo you know stuff like but that the, was the the congress uh report the official report you know before that it was kind of yes we heard through here we had a journalist leaking this or that uh there were some uh, uh elements that came to light with the snowden leaks <laughs> from my understanding in this particular case and specifically for the cia it was the first time we had a co comprehensive official uh, report on the topics. And, uh, and, the, and I think that, from my understanding, the big issue is not that it happened. I mean, that's an issue, but we've had an issue with that for a long time. I think what's new here is that they're being taken to task that it did absolutely nothing. That it mm. didn't gain us anything. And that's what we've been saying, you know, like the 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 party line, I think, has been for so long that we've been doing what's been necessary and the end justifies the means. And right. I, I think what this report has basically said is the end, the, the, the means had nothing to do with the end. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and so we've, you know. It's sort of looking back going, all right, a part of our government has basically been selling our soul for no reason. And that's what, what I guess, hurts uh, the most, is it? Like that it wasn't even, is it, do people look at it and say, what the hell happened? 
or uh, I think it, I think it's I think it depends on your point of view. I think we look at it and the, the, to me, this is this is American progress. Like these ty- these types of moments in American history is those moments where, you know, our government actually starts working to some extent. <laughs> you know, like the the I mean, the government is a has always been a mess, and it and it's sort of a, a you know, democracy to me is is a, a a mess that somehow manages to push through and make progress. Um, and you you have these moments where we look back, and it's it's this moment where we can look back and go, this didn't work. And it, to me, it shows a sign of hope that maybe we can change this. Um, and if we start sort of being honest about it, um, so I see it as hopeful. Um, I, you know, I mean, it, it's, it, if I were working for the CIA, it would be pretty awful. Um, uh, but you know, I don't see the, it's, 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 I don't see this as bringing anything new to light. I see other than that, you know, hopefully we're holding ourselves, you know, I, I, you know, it's, uh, to me, it's a sign that hopefully we're going to start holding ourselves to a higher standard um, and getting over some of the 9-11 fear-mongering that still happens to this day. Mm. So, okay, so did it make some noise? Uh, It seems like it did, To maybe not to the extent that I would have assumed. It was just... Well, yeah, it it did make some noise. I don't think it's dinner conversation, if that's what you mean. Yeah, Um, I guess that's my question. Yes, thank you. No, it it I don't think this is I it, it, in certain circles this is big news. Um I think it's you know, it's sort of interesting and pondering, but I I think the 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 mass the the country as a whole has larger societal concerns than the CIA. Okay, you know what? Let's let's uh move on to those uh concerns. I think I know what you're referring to, although it hasn't been discussed all that much in uh in in Europe, ironically. Uh but before we do, um I want to turn to Pierre again and ask uh you, Pierre, how that was perceived uh or if it was discussed at all those uh reports of CIA uh abuses. Mm. Well, it wasn't perceived much. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually remember any reports uh, beyond those of Snowden. Okay, okay, yeah, because that was last month. Um, the the you know the Congress findings uh, publishing were last well, well, not even last month, a few a few weeks ago. It's funny that it made so much noise. Maybe I'm exaggerating it a, a little bit. It didn't make you know. It certainly, for a couple of days, was front page news in in France. I think it's safe to to say that. But uh, it's funny. I would have assumed that in Russia, at least of all countries, um, that would have been used as a you know a way of pointing the finger to to the U.S. Although maybe if you do that, then you have to take a look at what you're doing yourself, and maybe that's something they didn't want to do. But well, Russia doesn't actually need that much, uh, that, that many means to point fingers <laughs> at the U.S. Uh, the main topic of the uh, discussion about USA was uh, anti-Crimean sanctions. Mm. Yeah. Visa and MasterCard stopping to work in the Crimea. 
and uh, the stuff about Sony Pictures and Korea. Mm. Huh. Oh, let's let's go to that for just a second. Yeah, I think we we know how that was discussed in in the West, for lack of a better denomination. Denomination. Um, how did it go in Russia? Mm. Uh, well, uh, Russians uh, do not actually care that much. Uh, uh, we do not like Northern, not North Korea, and we do not like on the political uh, scale the USA. So, well. <laughs> Well, I, I guess, guess you, so you two were saying people you, you don't particularly it. like going at it basically is okay with you. <laughs> hmm? It's like, it, you know, it, it's, it, are you saying that it, it's, you know, it, well, from your point of view, it's two people that you don't really care that much for, you know, affecting each other. So I mean, thumbs up. <laughs> well, yes, uh, it is. Uh, it's not my only point of view. It's uh, the way it is pointed out as uh, in the news. Mm. It's just said about no reflection, not anything, no anything. Right. It's just right. stated uh, a statement of fact. Yeah, kind of neutrally. Yep. This is what happened. Okay, but so it wasn't even like there wasn't any coloring of this uh, of this discussion. It, it wasn't like the you know the north koreans let's not go into stereotypes but the north koreans did something that was unacceptable or the americans uh uh got uh, uh retaliation for a, a questionable uh movie or anything like that it was just you know and, and by the way of course it's never been it hasn't been proven that north korea um was behind all of this. I guess the U.S. did say, the, the U.S. government did state it was North Korea. So, um, yeah, officially it is. Um, but yeah, so no no real colored commentary on, on the thing, just factual reports. No, no, no not at all. Hmm. All right. That's also kind of a surprise for me. I would have guessed that at least some would have uh, taken sides, but... Let's well, how much, I mean, in America, we have the pundits, you know, like, you know, people get paid to go on TV and spout their opinions. I mean, how how much do you, in Russian media, how much do you get um, editorial content in the in the news of, of people, of reporters stating opinion? Or is it mostly factual? Or, or, or is there sort of like party line opinions that are clearly like, this is more like what we need to say because this is the, well, this is the Russian point of view? Just before you answer, Pierre, I just want to yep. mention that in France, at least, you... I mean, it's its the case in the US as well. You don't necessarily need to listen to the pundits to have uh, not opinions, but coloring of the of the reporting. Uh, you mm -hmm. have, you know, left-leaning publications and right-leaning publications. Even when they're serious journalists, uh, the way things are presented could be... Uh, betraying a little bit of the the view of and not necessarily unduly so um it's just that the way you appreciate something might be different depending on you know if someone i know that in france for example we used to have in during the cold war to get back to that we used to have a communist party which was very strong obviously the country wasn't communist but there was an authorized communist party and 
They enjoyed everything uh, that was happening in Eastern, the Eastern Europe. Of course, they collapsed when things went bad for, for Eastern Europe uh, in the late uh, 80s. But at that point, for example, if you had someone who was a, a supporter of the Northern Korean government, obviously that doesn't happen, but they could have said actually this movie is offensive and it's an insult and, you know, reporting it that way, not necessarily being... Because it feels like the pundits that you're talking about, John, distort the truth, right? Rather than... Um, maybe maybe that's an overstatement. I, 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 well, I, I would say that are more willing to espouse their, their opinion, like in a very okay. obviously opinion, you know, versus... You know, yeah, like I, I definitely there's that nuance where you can, you know, with and, and I would say it's typically more with written mm. um, uh, things. Uh, I, I feel like our news, our media here always it, when it's on television, always has an element of opinion to it. Um, there's always the reaction, except for a couple of key people that have always been sort of, you know, like straight line. Here are the facts, kind of, you know, reporters. So, oh, so you but, mean journalists, right? I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> there are too um, few of those. Sorry, I was making a joke. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not going to start drawing lines of who's a journalist and who is not. Right, right. But, um, you know, we also have the problem here of, you know, uh, the blogging versus journalism thing. And, you know, that's, it's just it, opinion is more prevalent about everything you know, uh, versus just here's what happened. Right. All right. So, so sorry for the lengthy interruption, Pierre, but if you can remember uh, John's question. Because well, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do remember. Uh, it, uh, it's not all facts uh, in the media. Uh, in fact, uh, on the TV, most of the people seem to be pretty much opinionated towards the government point of view. Okay. Uh, they seem to have to be that way. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because uh, it's much easier to close a television channel if they say something not right. Mm. I guess uh, in the internet it's, well, quite the opposite. Uh, Maybe it's because uh, an internet news portal is more popular if it's oppositional. Ah, right. Mm. Uh, well, also, I guess, because you can't find the opposition's point of view on the traditional mass media, so... You can't find... Uh, well, you can find much less uh, proposition's mm. point of view in the internet than opposition's. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, all right. Um, let's let's move on to um, to the uh, topic that I think you brought up. You wanted to bring up uh, John, and which I think might be U.S. specific, uh, because, well, go ahead. I think you wanted to well, talk about race. It is. I mean, it is it is very U.S. specific. But I'm so I let's mean, get I into, guess I'm into the local aspects, but. The local stories are also something I want to cover, obviously. So um, you start with that, and of course we'll we'll discuss how we saw them as well. Yeah, and 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 that you know it's 
I all right. So over the past few months, because this has been ongoing, um, uh, you know, for uh, the biggest thing for America has has been the like the the uh, sort of increasingly uh, antagonistic relationship between uh, Black Americans and uh, and the police, and uh, you know, culminating in police shootings, uh, like over the top like what i what i would consider i mean you know when somebody dies with like eight plus bullets in them that feels like overkill you know like that feel you know and so there's been multiple deaths and uh more recently in in my you know in my home the uh, current home state of new york uh there was then a retaliatory uh uh killing of two police officers um some guy you know uh walked up to a cruiser and shot two police officers in the head and then went and killed himself. And it's, it is probably the most disturbing. This is one of those things where it is such a, an ongoing central core part of America. Um, uh, uh, that, um, I think it's difficult to look beyond you know it's like it's it's the you know you don't the it's not polite to bring up politics uh and or religion in a conversation uh with people uh racism is the (laughs) is is the probably the biggest elephant in the american room and i so are you saying people aren't talking about it at the water cooler um people are because we can't avoid it but it's very easily heated um, and I would say these days the water cooler is like Facebook comments. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. I, I always sit in the middle of these types of issues. Um, and I've always, I've grown up with the ability to kind of see all sides of most issues. And that's a, a really powerful superpower, by the way. Uh, it's, well, it's really conflicting because it's really hard to, actually have an opinion on something um right. and also i tend to you know take the opposite opinion for the sake of taking the opposite opinion um which <laughs> kind of annoys people but um I, I i have plenty of people that i know that are like you know i, I you see two extremes of the you, know, you see the police are evil thing and then you see the police can do no wrong you know position yeah. and uh i think both are really dangerous opinions and um it's, it's just there. There is this element of fear, um, and I've felt. I mean, I feel some fear when dealing with a police officer. There's, there's an element of, you know, like if I get pulled over or something like that, I feel like if I do something to piss this guy off, my life is going to be made a living hell, and mm. that is a very small degree of feeling in comparison to what I can only imagine it feels like to be a uh, a black American. Uh, yeah. dealing with the police and and I've had conversations with friends about this and um I I don't know what it feels like to be afraid for my life when dealing with a police officer mm. um you know it's just just to interrupt you for just a mm-hmm. second to add to what you were saying obviously yeah. it's absolutely not the same um in in the case I'm going to talk about but when I travel to the US I do feel a tiny you know there's always this tiny bit of 
fear in the back of your mind that when you're going through customs, you're mm -hmm. going to say the wrong thing. Or right. if you talk to a cop, it doesn't, it doesn't even happen. So it's somewhat irrational. And maybe that, that illustrates the, um, the image of, of the police officer in the US, which is perpetuated by either stereotypes of the, or these kinds of news reports. But Or, or even, you know, it might be something about TV shows. I don't think so, but maybe. There's certainly a, a way that the authorities, the these kinds of authorities in the U.S. carry themselves or seem to be acting that puts, that makes me more uncomfortable than I think I should be. Um, and yeah. it's certainly not the same way when we are... Uh, uh, interacting with, with the authorities in France, and you know, I'm you know, I'm a white male. I I'm privileged. Uh, I live in a relatively well-off neighborhood, so I don't want to compare my experience in France to anyone else's anywhere. But right. I just wanted to add in that I even, and it's not like the customs officer are are going to get up of their booth and shoot me. It's just that there's this feeling that. And I'm going to curse just a little bit here. It's like, fuck, I shouldn't say the wrong thing. And maybe it should be right. like that at the customs. But right. anyway, it, it, it affects yeah, me too. That feeling of, that you have. Uh, even, it's a fear of power. Yeah. Like the other person very clearly has power over you. And but it feels like it's there's a level of immunity. Not immunity, but I don't know. More power, unchecked power. Maybe that's mm -hmm. the way I should, I've, I can phrase it best. But Yeah. And I, 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 for me to try and relate to uh, someone who is in that position, uh, I have to take those feelings that are in the back of my head and amplify them a hundredfold, I think. Sure. And, and then I feel like I can start to imagine what that might feel like. And I just – I hope that we as a country can move to a place of when there's less fear. Um, and I think that's the biggest issue right now is, you know, you have – you have this level of fear on the police officer's part and this level of fear on, uh, you know, someone just walking around a neighborhood in, you know, uh, in a city and, or, mm. and, and so there's uh, fear the level, is the essentially the fear, biggest. The, the level of fear on the officer's part you're talking about is basically anyone could be carrying a weapon and could be shooting at right. you if you're... Right, they're putting their life on the line. And I fully right. acknowledge that what they do mm. is difficult, scary, uh, and... And dangerous. I, and dangerous, and very dangerous. And I, I would like to see... I want to see discussions of, you know, ways to put... To, to put them in less danger and for, for them to be better trained, to be, you know, like, it's just like, it, it's just, it's just strange that we've gotten to this point where the, the institutional fear um, and institutional racism, because I think it's there, um, it is just getting to a fever pitch and, uh, and, it, and maybe it's one of those things where it has to get worse before it can get better. But I think we've come to, I, I think we've come to a place as a country that is on its way To, to getting better. And it's just mm. very difficult to get over that hump. You know what I mean? I And the closer you get, the harder it gets kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Pierre, of course, feel free to, you know, jump in anytime you want. Um, but I, I do get a question in my mind that comes very naturally and I'm sure is gonna 
upset portions of the audience, but did none of this conversation uh, evolve into the question of the right to bear arms? Um, Because right for me, now, just, I think... just to explain, for me, it's an obvious one, you know? It's, it's thinking, well, it's very dangerous for the cops, and they get twitchy and, and you know, uh, uh, maybe too scared because arms are everywhere and anyone could but be the, carrying one. Problem, and of course, someone is going to say... Is they could most, get I weapons think most anyway, of the issues that they have, it, the... I think that they're not afraid of somebody who has the right to bear arms carrying a, 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 a thing. I think most, I mean, if you look at it, most of the, these cop no, involved shootings, like, uh, you always it's have illegal. the element it's of illegal the illegal guns. arms. Of course, of course. No, that's obvious. That's obvious, of course. What I'm saying is everyone has guns. Not everyone. But, of course, when you have, th there are too many guns in the country is could become a question illegal right, so or here, not here's and how it comes when here's you how it's have talked a about. culture of uh, that's that's a different issue but i'm just i'm just uh uh it's just strange that no one looks at the reason for everyone being afraid is that everyone's pointing guns at one another. Now, whether or not that has to do with the right to bear arms or the illegal arms or the, you know, all of that, it's like, well, when everyone's ha having a gun pointed at, your, at everyone else's head, uh, sometimes things go bad. Well, it's, it's funny, though, because and I think you're pointing out a very a part of the sort of the issue of racism here and 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 guns and things like that is we don't in these instances, we don't talk about the right to bear arms. We talk about the right to bear arms when a white guy walks into a school with a gun and mm. shoots a bunch of people. Right. And how, and that's how I mean, the mass a gun in the US. Uh, how easy um, yeah. there's a it's it's both hard and and easy at the same time. It's very strange. There's a lot of contradictory things. Like you go into a store to buy a gun, and it, and of course this varies from state to state, which is you know part of the, uh, you know, uh, part of the I issue. Each state has the right to govern themselves in this regard. Um, but you you will have states that are very strict for like you walk into a store, it takes X amount of times. You've got background checks. You can't have mental, uh, you know, uh, any signs of uh, mental issues in your past or what have you, but you can then go to a gun show and buy the same gun immediately. In the it, same there state. Weird, in the same state. So there's a lot of weird contradictory issues. Um, but so basically think, if someone wants to get a gun, it's not too difficult. But I think there, there's this element of socioeconomic issue here where that the likelihood – it's just when you talk about <laughs> people buying guns, it's typically white people or people of a more affluent, you know uh, – you know, um, you know, it's it's interesting that we're really framing the issue differently and I think maybe we're – And with Pierre's question as well, I think both of us are making it about something that it isn't at its core for you and mm -hmm. you, I mean, the, the Americans. Um, right. But for me, it is so obvious that that's part of the, the, the issue. And when you're framing it by saying, well, 
the right to bear arms affects people being able to buy guns, but these guys are getting guns anyway without buying them. You're sort of saying it wouldn't matter whether or not the right to bear I, arms was there and, and or not. And I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying that that is my perception of the conversation. Like, I am right. pointing out that the conversation in the United States never talks about that. And I think you're right. It's, no. it's a strange sort of thing. But at the but same what time... what I was getting at was in in our countries, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Pierre, but in France at least guns are a lot more regulated and controlled and you very yeah. very 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 rarely hear about shooting issues um, in, in it, russia, it happens sometimes but it's very it's very rare um in russia sorry Pierre, go ahead uh, i'm sorry uh, in russia it is too very rare for such shootings to begin uh, arms are very regulated due to the 90s situation mm. yeah so i yeah i mean i think you know that would probably help i think the the issues that come up in in regards to this are uh uh i think it's one of those things of like you've there's like i don't know probably five or six major issues that come up as yeah. a result of this and uh, whoever's bringing up the issue is going to bring up the issues that's most important to them and so the the voices are talking about you know control like the biggest thing right now they're trying to do is push for uh body cameras on cops right. which uh, i think is great you know like more oversight and regulation and accountability accountability is never a bad thing Mm. Um, and I think when I was uh, saying unchecked power, that might be a way to address it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so if they have a feeling of, they need, you know, it's, it's this weird. And I think social media has created this weirdness, um, with police as well. It's like, you know, they feel like they can't do their job because what they're doing is being judged by the entire world because they're being mm. watched. Um, but that's, I don't see that as a bad thing. I feel like, you know, if you're afraid of being judged by outside, then you're probably not doing something right. Um, yeah, I mean, to an extent. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a way of addressing the issue. I can see how it could be problematic in some cases but and i, I think the the yeah. bigger issue and, and i don't really want to get I'm, i just want to point out the the bigger issues are the you know institutionalized racism uh and by that i mean you know like the the prison system in america um mm. i don't you know i think ours is fairly unique in that it's a privatized system that is for profit and that just that is very disturbing and mm. you know the the sheer number of black americans that are you know the percentage of people who are are jailed um the you know the the sort of the bias towards uh um uh you know white americans um and you know and the war on drugs you know the 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 war on drugs that is really not doing anything other than feeding money into the prison system so right. there there are there are some big major issues um and it's really a, an a long ongoing process um uh, I, yeah. I don't know where where are where are um, uh, uh, where are you guys in your parts of the world at with those types of issues or in terms of like prisons and drugs and and things like that? How do you feel your um, your your those institutions are working for you guys? I think it's for, I, I'll go for France first. It's it's certainly all of these issues that you're mentioning are present here as well maybe a little bit less uh, intense uh, 
uh, okay, I'm going to say a lot less intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're here too. We have issues with some issues with drugs, not incredible we have more issues with racism we have as we were talking about last time um, significant uh, uh, portions of the population which are first or second or third generation immigrants from uh, northern africa mostly and that creates a division in society Um, it's certainly a socio-economic issue because as it's the case in the u.s a lot of the suburbs are more poor and populated with immigrants or you know these second third generation immigrants who came after the war to rebuild uh, the country um Mm. and that that's an issue the prison system is certainly not working perfectly either uh, and that's an understatement. So I would say we have all of these issues. And the, the issue of, of, of weapons uh, is one that comes to my mind maybe a little bit too quickly. I think I might have de- derailed the conversation that was initially about racism and socioeconomic issues. Because for but me, the it's, problem an, is it's, an, all, it's, it's about an obvious, easy it's, one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and, yeah, and, and I think you're right. It's very strange to me that we haven't done more, but that's mm. democracy for you. We yeah. have lobbyists and things like that that are stopping a lot of that from going through. Yeah. Um, Pierre, any thoughts on all of this, uh, all of this story? Mm, well, in Russia, crime in general is a separate culture since Stalin Russia or maybe even Tsarist Russia. Uh, so prison system hasn't changed that much from mm. back then, as well as many regulations. Well, they do evolve, of course, but, well, it works. Nobody cares that much. It doesn't actually do the thing it should, I believe. Uh, But I have never seen a prison uh, or heard of a prison that actually changes people in a way that they will do crimes no more or something like that. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I don't think in in France or even the US that that portion, which is arguably the most important one, uh, doesn't work either. But I guess... Yeah, rehabilitation doesn't happen. I I think our is is it creating more than it's fixing <laughs> you know like is it is it creating more problems than solving them and mm-hmm. i feel like ours is definitely on that end yeah uh, so is ours um yeah well if, if a person goes to prison most likely it he will either be broken by the end of the term or he will get uh, some um, connections in the crime circles mm-hmm. and Neither is good. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so just to to finish up on that, um, we haven't heard about all of these issues too much in France. Um, they, I mean, the American ones. We we heard about Ferguson when it first started, but I think we got tired of it after that. And it's one of the things that has been the most prominent. Um, from what I can see on social networks, and it's been going on for months, it's sort of, it gets to the level of really internal politics that doesn't affect uh, France enough that it's going to become a, an important topic of conversation here. 
Um, it did, it and was I wouldn't even discussed. call it internal politics. Although, I mean, it's sure, it's a, not politics, but yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a massive yeah. societal issue, and it keeps coming up. Like it's like I, I mean, I, I I don't, and it's probably a good thing, not the killings, obviously, but it's good that the conversation is going because a lot of these types of things, the conversation comes like like you were saying with the gun control. Gun control only comes up for about a month after a mass killing, mm. and yeah. then it goes away. And we stop talking about it. And it's like, yeah. we need to actually finish some of these conversations. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this one is going to go, because it's so difficult and so important at the same time. And mm. yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we'll have a chance to discuss it more on this very show in the future. Um I think that might do it for us, uh, unless either of you have another topic you want to, to discuss? Well, not another topic, but I just wanted to comment on the Ferguson thing. Oh, sure, go ahead, of course. <laughs> well, uh, it certainly did uh, get uh, useful for Russia uh, for some sort of Cold War rhetorics, uh, as seen, hey, you Russians, you are bad, you've annexed Crimea. Well, and you've got uh, black people being shot at on the street. Mm. Uh, it uh, is mm. a way of talking that was pretty much popular in the Cold War, and it seems that uh, U.S. have... Uh, unlearned to answer it so it was being you mean ferguson was being used in the media in russia as a way of answering uh the question yeah. of of crimea well yep the crimea mm. and ukraine and everything uh as in they say we are bad while we are just defending our country and they're having such horrible things on the street mm. That's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I wouldn't have expected uh, Russia to use as an example because there are so many, <laughs> you know, outwards. I, I guess yeah, it's logical when you're looking at Crimea and saying, well, this is our country; uh, it should be part of of Russia. And you talk about internal issues uh, in the U.S. I guess that does make sense. Um, probably more to a Russian national than than for us but because we often look at you know crimea being part of uh ukraine so for us it was an international issue not an internal one but um maybe just a few words about cuba i guess the mm -hmm. the relaxing of the <laughs> relationships with cuba that was recently announced uh by president obama was basically discussed in an interesting way for us here it was very quick very often put in parallel with uh russia again russia is at the center of all of our discussions today um it was russia is at the center of most things uh, well, i shouldn't <laughs> say that at the center of most things i should say it it always feels to me like russia it's like this is happening. How's Russia responding to this? You know, like it's it's <laughs> yeah. Recently, it's become uh, that. Yeah, it's it's been uh, an ongoing sort of uh, mm. I think an involvement. But go ahead. Um, so yeah, in the case of of you know the relationships with Cuba, it was in France. It was looked at and saying, well, they're 
okay, that, you know, they're agreeing to deal with uh, Cuba, but they really don't want to have anything to do with, they don't want to deal or... Uh, my we've been discussing this with my wife and one of her i can't remember if we if we discussed it last episode when we talked about russia one of her arguments was you have to uh understand russia and be able to to accommodate a little bit of what they want if you want the conversation to even happen um mm. and it seems like obama is now willing to do so, to do that with cuba and certainly the conversation is completely different because it's not at all the same country and it's not the same situation. So it's a little bit of I think the unfair... power dynamics are different. And exactly, I think that's exactly. probably the most important thing. You know, yeah, it's like, exactly. of course, when you when you have the advantage, you can be <laughs> of course you're willing to talk. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that that's the way it was portrayed and not in a, in a judgmental way um, in France. It was just, oh, so, you know, they're OK to talk with with Cuba, but they do, they don't want to talk with Russia, uh, maybe in, in implying that it was more important to find a way to speak with Russia than it was to speak with with Cuba. I think that right. was the underlying like message. We're spending like, our... Uh... We're, you know, why why are we spending our time doing this when we should be fixing our relationship with Russia? Well, no, not really. I think everyone thought it was a great thing that, okay. you know, finally uh, relationship with, were, are being normalized with Cuba. No one was saying, don't waste your time on this crap. Everyone was thinking, yes, that's awesome. Uh, it's also really important to, to apply this kind of open-mindedness uh, with Russia because we have to talk to them. Um, right. I'm... I'm obviously curious to to hear how uh the cuba thing was <laughs> was uh received in in russia well it wasn't received much though uh it was a bit sad that uh, the cubans do agree to talk to mm. the us after such a long time uh so it was basically seen as the Cubans giving up, or? Well, maybe Cubans are giving up on Russia, though they've claimed they're not to change their way of life in any way uh, mm. afterwards. So I cannot think of what will come of it later. Mm. Was, well, that, was that something that was... Uh, uh, presented uh that was put forward like the fact that actually the cubans are are saying they're not going to change their their ways that doesn't mean they're changing their ways um well i do believe so yes it was mentioned in the news mm. huh. that's funny that's something that that was not mentioned at all <laughs> in our news so um, um all right, let's conclude this uh, with John's uh, American view on that Cuba thing. And uh, then we can all go back to preparing for the new year. Um, so the American view of this, I mean, my personal view is great. About time. Uh, okay. Let's move it forward, you know. Let um, me guess I, I, what yeah, the I, American view is. Uh, the American view is... Uh, the Republicans hate it and the Democrats love it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, from in the... 
I think we look at it at, you know, Obama doesn't have that much time left. Hmm. And Obama has very little ability to get much done. So I think, you know, and, and it's kind of like, what can I do? You know what I mean? Like right. he's fighting. He, you know, I, I look at it as he's trying to enact as much change in a short amount as possible that he can guarantee he can do. Um, and, you know, win the battles you can and, and let the other battles go because they're not worth fighting anymore. Mm. And so I see, you know, I see these sort of things as a distraction, as sort of like a, you know, giving up to some extent. Um, but, you know, and uh, of course, a big middle finger, I think, to the, <laughs> to the Republicans. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next presidential election. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, but we're, we're back in the we, we have we are there is a. Uh, a wave, uh, a pattern to our politics that has been going on for quite a long while. And pretty much every president for the past, uh, I don't know, 30-ish years, uh, loosely, 40 maybe, um, uh, has been going through like their their final years have been against, you know, have been uh, always taken over by the other party in the Congress. Hmm. So the the... The you know it basically always ends up in this deadlock at the end of a, a presidential term, um, mm. where the you know nothing's gonna nothing can quite get done, um, which I think is sad you know huge waste of time, but it's you know the nature of the beast. Well, especially since in the beginning he you know you have the mid the the election it takes a while to get your things in place and then you have the midterms you have to think of and then re-election yep. and then we the other spend way too much then... time uh thinking about getting elected i should say congress yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> politicians spend way too much time thinking about getting elected um yeah. so well it's but, the nature of the game but yep. yeah uh it's it's funny because we've had um uh, Sarkozy, the former president, making a resurgence uh, and making some interesting claims that, you know, he was talking about the uh, gay marriage, basically marriage for everyone uh, that mm -hmm. was passed by, by the current administration in France. And he was claiming that he would repeal it, um, which is Im practically impossible. Um, and it's interesting that in, in the... Um, Republicans were also, from what I've heard, claiming that they would repeal uh, the the relaxing of the relationship or change the relaxing of the relationships with Cuba, when it seems pretty obvious that in two years they're not going to risk anything at that point if they're elected. So no yeah, one and, will and care that's, anymore. It's, you so. have to, I think, uh, all citizens of all it's countries, but any reasonable amount of uh, you know, politics have to look at it and go, okay, what's them stating their views and what's mm. actually realistic that they could do? Because yeah. you're right. I mean, there, there are certain things that, that will happen and just will not get undone because it's not worth undoing. Yeah. Um, and they get a lot more political capital out of railing against it of and, course. you know, and talking about it than they do out of actually doing anything about it. <laughs> All right, I think this is going to bring us to a close of this uh, <laughs> Christmas. Uh, how did I call oh, it? Yeah. Christmas Cold Happy War? Happy Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is Christmas. Uh, I'm guessing... Happy holidays. <laughs> I'm guessing, yeah, holidays. Let's, let's be uh, inclusive. Inclusive, yeah. Um, I guess, Pierre, you're, you're um, doing... In Russia, you're doing the uh, uh, Orthodox Christmas, so it's not Christmas yet, right? Oh, well, 
We are doing Orthodox Christmas, though I do believe that it's not right to choose if Christmas is 25, 25th of uh, December or the 7th of January. So we do celebrate from 25th to the 7th. <laughs> That's a nice way of doing it. You, you can have a little bit more Christmas time in that way. That's pretty an interesting way of looking at it. Um, all right. Excellent. Thank you so much uh, to both of you for, for coming on. Thank you, Pierre, for being on your first podcast ever. I hope it was, uh, it was an enjoyable time. It was, I, we didn't cut you off too much. Um, well, it was. It was, sorry? Well, it, well, it was an enjoyable time. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Um, do you have any, I don't know, something you can, uh, you want to, to, to pimp? Do you have a Twitter account people can follow or uh, some other public internet activity? Uh, well, I do have a Twitter account, but it's purely in Russian. It's at Stylisa, T-Y-L-E-S-A. Stylisa. Well, you know what? We will... Um we will uh, put it in the show notes so people can come follow you if they uh, want to speak Russian or, you know, already do speak Russian. There, there might be a few uh, in, the, in the show. Uh, thanks so much uh, for being on, Pierre. Uh, John, what about you, my friend? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure why people would want to follow me at this particular point in time because I'm not particularly talkative, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Copperdome, C-O-P-P-E-R-D-O-M-E. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I I would... I'm not sure what to pimp at this point, um, you know, other than I just, you know, I'm an app designer, so uh, you can buy some apps. I did release a holiday app, which is kind of pointless now. Um, <laughs> so uh, since the holidays are essentially over... Um, But uh, I had a lot of fun. Well, you don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, apparently Pierre is uh, celebrating Christmas from now until the 7th. So, <laughs> yeah, um, we uh, we made a little good deeds sort of list for kids to, uh, um, ah. you know, like, uh, you know, work up to, to Christmas and, you know, try and, you know, earn. You basically it's sort of a gamified like, you know, here's some ideas of good deeds. And then as you do them, you earn ranks oh. with Santa. Um, and wow, uh, it was a lot of fun nice. to make and, uh, and, uh, we had, uh, my wife did all the VO work for it and, uh, we got, um, our friend, uh, Joel Duggan to do, uh, some character, uh, What's uh, the name of the app? illustrations. I'm on the uh, edge it's called of my Holiday, seat, man. It's, it's called Holiday Heroes. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's maybe next year it'll, uh, Uh, be <laughs> worth doing but it's a, it's a fun little app and uh if Do you, you have, have a, especially a, if you have kids a website for it or is it just on the yes uh i mean well you can search obviously you can search for it on the ios app store uh and uh you can also uh get a link directly to it from holidayheroesapp.com excellent that's Thanks. two p's per usual Uh, of course. Thanks very much, John. Um, in my case, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, NotPatrick. That's, I forgot my Twitter handle for a second there. Um, and uh, you can also uh, listen, well, listen to the show and others at Frenchspin.com, which is the website where I host uh, this show and the other ones I do. And even more importantly, if you're feeling generous and if you think you've gotten something out of this 
show and you would like it to keep going strong, um, there is a way to support the show and to support uh, my professional podcasting endeavors in general. Uh, and you can go to patreon.com slash the Felius Club, the the Link is uh, on the show notes on the uh, podcast itself and on the website at frenchspin.com. Um, but you can do that as have a few dozen people who are um, supporting the show financially. And I'm very, very thankful to, uh, especially in this uh, holiday and thankfulness period. Um, if you, you know, if you think uh, you might want to support a show like this and an idea like the one we're promoting here, um, do go around to the to the uh, Patreon site and uh, watch the video, look around, see if there's something that might be uh, motivation enough for you to um, participate. Uh, it would be very much appreciated. I'm I'm uh, trying to uh, build something um, more out of this show, and this will help me uh, get there. So, uh, Patreon.com/slash/TheFeliusClub. The links are everywhere. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful uh, holiday period since Christmas is not the only one and it's also gone. So, or for some of us, uh, I don't want to piss off the uh, uh, <laughs> the, the Russians. Um, don't and, anger the bear. Yes, no. They will come and wrestle bears in, in Paris. It will be chaos. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy your holidays and have a wonderful new year. Thanks so much to Pierre and John. And we'll be back in about a month. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.